0: Well, welcome home it is so good to be back here i'm telling you i told our wednesday night mini church when we first got this building what five months ago um, i hated the echo in this room uh, if you remember concrete floors and ugly walls and now to hear the echo of voices in this room gave me goosebumps as i was standing in the back singing i've missed being in this room and in the middle of worship i've missed the ac unit kicking on and driving me crazy I've missed being in the middle of preaching in here and hearing trucks drive by back here. Like I've just missed it and it's good to be back. Uh, also want to say hi to those that are still tuning in online. We've got several families that are still doing that for a season. And so you're gonna hear us say this over and over and over. There's nothing better than being in the room. And so uh, we hope that they will join us soon. If you have a copy of God's word, we're gonna be in Philippians one today as we close out this chapter. This is our eighth week in the book of Philippians. We're gonna close out chapter one. Finally, a few more chapters to go after this. I also want to remind us, too, um, God did not waste the last 12 weeks. God has not wasted this season in which he called his church into. Uh, A couple of things I was thinking about driving in this morning that didn't exist before this all happened. First off, think uh, th- about three weeks before, quote, quarantine or stay-at-home order happened, we didn't even have live stream as a church. It wasn't even a thing. We used to actually take an iPad at the middle school, if you were with us then, and we would mount it to a microphone stand, and we would just press record for a long time season in our church. Some of those videos came up this past week, and they're ugly. They're ugly as sin. I'm thinking, what were we thinking? Um, But we are so grateful for Thomas and Paige Paige Wimbish and their involvement in our church, getting that up and going for us. Um, So God hasn't wasted that. We now have a radio program, which we didn't have 12 weeks ago, on 93.3. It's not even a Christian station. Every Sunday at 8 a.m. We didn't have that 12 weeks ago. Uh, The second week that that went live, I was driving into church, and my message for that morning was opened by ZZ Top and closed by Michael Jackson's Thriller. Um, Only Jesus, Right. Only Jesus could do that in the midst of all of this. Um, Not only that, but what Jesus has done in families in the midst of all of this. And, uh, you know, we have active, and I use that term loosely because I'm trying to figure out if you guys are watching theologically, I haven't figured this out yet, but we have active families now engaging with Living Hope um, in Cincinnati, down in Florida, and up in Michigan every week on a regular basis. And so, Y'all, we're glad you're here, but we're trying to figure out how this works within the context of the scriptures. We'll figure it out together soon. Um, but we didn't have that 12 weeks ago. And even just what the Lord has allowed us to do in this facility, um, by his sovereign grace, we moved in here a few weeks before quarantine hit. And so we were able to live stream and still do things we needed to do. We're still not done, as you can tell, but uh, we've come a long way. And and God has been kind to us in the midst of all of this. So enough of that. We bragged on Jesus. Now let's talk about Jesus. Philippians chapter 1, as we talk about this idea this morning called being prepared for firecrackers. And uh, I also want to say this, too. You'll notice this morning that the message is going to be a little bit briefer, uh, roughly probably 25 minutes. Some of you are like, yes, we can beat the Methodists to the buffet today. Buffets don't exist anymore, so the McDonald's drive-thru. But the reason that we're doing that is because uh, we're trying to love kids well during the season. It's kind of a weird thing to have kids ministry right now because you you can and you can't at the same time. And so we actually have some of our volunteers over there with moms and dads to for them and make sure that we love our kids well during this season as well. So if you notice that, it's not going to become a regular thing that we have shorter messages, but uh, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Well, if you'll stand with me in honor of reading God's Word... Philippians chapter 1, as we close out this chapter, we're going to start in verse 27. It'll be on the screen as well for you to follow along. And Paul writes these words to the church in Philippi. Just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or I am absent, I will hear, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents, this is a sign of destruction for them. But of your salvation, and this is from God. Verse 29, for it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf. Don't miss this verse. Been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Verse 30, since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now here that I have. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks again for this time together. Father, thank you, Lord, that we're starting to regather the family that you call living hope. Lord, thank you so much for your grace that was extended to us these past three months. Lord, how even in what was a bleak situation, God, your goodness, mercy, and grace, and kindness, God has shown through. Father, I pray now as we walk through these verses together this morning that Jesus is lifted high. Father, give us the ears we need to hear from you, hearts to receive it, hands and feet to live this out as we chase Jesus the rest of this week. We love you, Lord. your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know how good it is to actually like speak to people and not just like a sound crew that like walks out the door every five minutes? (laughs) This is so good. If you can't tell it's like Christmas morning for a preacher, my goodness. Hey, I'll never forget as we think about Philippians 1, I'll never forget when I was 16 years old, August 25th my 16th birthday, I walked into the Pizza Hut in Pickerington, Ohio, and right when I walked through the front doors of that building, I heard these words, I'm so fed up, I'm gonna hire the next two idiots that walk in the door. And I walked in the doors of that Pizza Hut, my 16th birthday, it was August 25th, I walked up to the counter of that Pizza Hut, and apparently I had the word idiot written across my forehead, because literally on the spot, the manager at the time offered me a job. 16th birthday, first job, making pizzas at Pizza Hut. Fast forward two years, just out of God's grace, they offered me an opportunity to be a shift manager at that Pizza Hut, I had just turned 18 years old. And I remember getting that opportunity, I was relatively new to the role, but being a young kid in this new opportunity, I I, I really took it seriously. I wanted to do a good job because at the time, being 18 years old, I was considering maybe just making Pizza Hut a career. Moving my way up to be a store manager, then ultimately a district manager, I was thinking about doing that, so I took my job really seriously. You go forward about nine months or so, 10 months to uh, July of the next year, 19 years old almost. We were a few weeks away from the 4th of July, and then at that time, one of my employees showed up on a Friday evening with a bag of firecrackers. I'll never forget this. He walked up to me and he said, Aaron, look what I brought to work today. And I thought, what are you doing, you idiot? He went to the back of our store, began setting off firecrackers. I'm a young kid trying to run my store. I don't, I don't know what to do, so I just let him do it. So then, later on in that evening, the night kind of went uh, on its way, and he didn't really come out with the firecrackers anymore until like eleven o'clock at night or so. And he walked into the store after one of his deliveries, holding a little brick of firecrackers, and he said, "Aaron, I got a question. What do you think would happen if I threw one of these in the toilet?" I said, we're not going to find out. So later on that evening, he left again. It was probably midnight at that time. He came in from a delivery. I can remember this so vividly. He walked past me as I was counting the cash register because we were just about to close. He said, I'm going to run into the bathroom real quick before we finish cleaning up. He walked into the bathroom. About 90 seconds later, I heard poof. And this kid walks out of the bathroom ghost white. I said, what did you do? I knew what happened. And I walked into that bathroom and literally, friends, and there's a point to this story, water was all over the floor. The entire bottom of the toilet was gone, just disintegrated, It wasn't even there anymore. I'm new to this position at pizza and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to lose my job. They're gonna fire me, this kid threw a firecracker in the bottom of the toilet, I'm an idiot. So I began formulating in my mind how I'm gonna explain this. I began to take any, any firecracker piece I could find, I got rid of it, I did whatever I could and I wrote a note to my boss that said these words. Hey man, late last night, some really big construction worker came in with steel toe boots, I'm not making this up. I said he got really upset about his order so he went into the bathroom and kicked out the bottom of the toilet. I knew I was gonna be in trouble. And I prepared for it because I knew it was coming the next day. And I, I remember getting that text message on my phone at about 8.30 in the morning. Aaron, I need you to come in. Something's happened to the toilet, and I found firecracker pieces. <laughs> you see, here's, here's what's interesting, and I didn't get fired in case you're wondering, but I did get in a heck load of trouble. Here's what's interesting about that story. I've been thinking about that this week, and really any situation in which we know trouble is on the horizon. We've all been there before when we, you just, you know that trouble is on the horizon for you. You know that some sort of affliction is coming your way the next day, the next week, the next month. You, you know it's there. And we have this ability when we know those things are coming where we can prepare for them. And you notice how you respond differently to trouble or affliction or suffering when you prepare for it? it you're able to endure it a little bit more. Rather than those scenarios where suffering, trouble, or affliction sneaks up on you, and you're just not prepared, you get that phone call, that relationship falls apart, you lose the job, and you weren't expecting it, and what it does to your soul. But when you know it's coming... And you're prepared for how you're going to respond when trouble does come, when suffering makes its way into your life, when affliction knocks at your door, you thought to yourself, you know what? I've already prepared for this, so I'm able to endure whatever comes my way. That's where Paul leaves us here at the end of chapter 1. Our eighth week in this journey, Paul, if you remember from the first few weeks, he is stuck in a Roman house arrest, Roman jail, we could call it. Paul's chained to this Roman guard. God has given him favor where Paul is still able to write letters. He's still able to minister the gospel to people. He's still able to do all of these things. And as Paul closes out this chapter with these last few verses in chapter 1, he encourages these Philippians believers and us to expect trouble, expect suffering, expect affliction as you choose to walk with Jesus in our world. I mean, think about it this way. When you choose to live against the grain of culture, when you choose to swim upstream, you are guaranteed to encounter opposition when it comes to your Christian faith. And hear me this morning. God reminded me of this this week. That's okay. That's part of it. I know in my life sometimes when I experience that, I look up to God and go, what are you doing? And God goes, no, no, no. This is part of the journey. This is part of the process. Paul calls this in verse 27, if you want to look at that verse with me again, Paul calls this choosing to live for Jesus. He calls it living a life worthy of the gospel. Living a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus. What does that really look like? Here's a couple of thoughts I wrote down I think are important. It means we don't just say we believe something about the gospel and the word of God, but we actually make our lives line up with it. It means our walk is going to match the talk. We've all heard that phrase before. It's a lost art. It means what we preach and what we speak, we actually choose to live out in our day-to-day life. And look at what Paul says in verse twenty-eight: When you do that, do not be Do not be frightened by your opponents. There will be people that do not like what you stand for, the way you choose to live, and that's okay. Paul says, prepare for it, because when you prepare for opposition, it makes it easier. To ultimately endure, I want to give us three little principles that Paul gives us in these few verses um, that help us endure opposition. Preparation for opposition, preparation for affliction as we choose to live out our faith and walk with Jesus. Real quick, three things. First one is this, verse 27. Paul tells us to stand firm. Stand firm. Look at what he says in verse 27. About halfway through, he says, I will hear about you. He's talking to this church in Philippi. I'm going to hear about you because remember, he's in Roman jail. I'm going to hear about you that you are standing firm. That's a pretty neat word in the Greek where uh, it's actually a word that means to take up your post. That God has given you an assignment and you step into that assignment in a moment. You'll notice this. I learned this from a pastor a few weeks ago when we started uh, the quarantine thing. I I felt like God had just called us to a unique season for me personally, uh, preaching the gospel from this platform. And I didn't like doing it to a camera the whole time. But I knew that's what God has called me to. And you'll notice on Sundays, one thing that I typically do, and I learned this from another pastor, is right before I preach, typically I'll stand a couple feet behind this pulpit. And right when I'm about to speak and greet you, I'll step into my post. Because this is where God has called me to be in this moment. It's the word that Paul chose to use here. He says, I want you to take up your post. What's interesting about that word as well is it's in the perfect tense in the Greek, which means it's a one-time decision that then informs everything else moving forward. I've taken up my post, and now that decision, that post I've taken up, informs everything else that I now do as a follower of Jesus. I made a decision, and that decision informs everything. What does he tell them to stand firm on? Look at the end of verse 27. I'm going to hear about you that you're standing firm in one spirit, one accord, contending together. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. For what? The faith of the gospel. The faith of the gospel. When Jesus calls us to stand firm, we're called to stand firm in the gospel. Whereas Jesus followers, we've made the determination that I'm going to take up my post. I'm going to fully believe that this book is complete. It is perfect. It is true. What it says is 100% of the true, 100% of the time, no matter what. And Paul says, Christians, Philippians, I need you to determine that in your heart and then be immovable. Once you make that determination, you let that truth inform every other area of your life. When opposition comes your way, verse 28, because it will, be immovable in the truth of God's word. When culture says this, but the Bible says this, we're called to be immovable from here. When people press against our faith, man, it's going to happen. Paul says, You have to be immovable. Take up your post. People are going to say, That's just an old book written by a bunch of guys who are now dead. You know what we say? No, that's the word of God, and I'm immovable on that. People are going to say, no, 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 it's irrelevant. It doesn't actually coincide with the way that we think, right? We're progressive in our thinking. No, 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 no. This book is timeless, and I'm going to be immovable in that truth. You can tell I haven't preached to actual people here in a while. My goodness. Listen. We've got to make that determination in our hearts and then let that inform every other decision that I make. Because let's be honest, I'm talking to myself here. Christians, we're too wishy-washy in our beliefs, aren't we? Aren't we? We are often so wishy-washy in what we say. We know what the book says. We're like, yeah, yeah, but I'm actually going to do this instead. God's got a grace and forgiveness, so I can. It'll be okay. What did Paul say in Romans? No, no, no. We don't sin so grace can abound. We don't do that. How often are we wishy-washy in our faith? Hey, here's another thought I was thinking about. I thought this week, I wrote it in my journal as I was preparing this lesson. Um, I don't really experience a lot of opposition in my faith very often. Probably much much like you. We just don't really experience much opposition, maybe. It's not something I feel like I have to maybe deal with all the time. Let me give you this convicting thought that the Lord gave me. If you're a note-taker, I want you to write this down. What if the reason I rarely experience opposition is because I rarely stand on the truth that this is really the Word of God. What if the reason we don't actually experience opposition in our Christian faith is because we have not really chosen to actually take up our post on the truth of this book? We're willing to stand in the background. We're willing to, to, to concede on some things because we don't want to offend anybody. I get it. Not me too. <laughs> Rather than do that, we're like, ah, I don't really want to engage. It's okay it's okay. Maybe the reason that we don't experience opposition is because we haven't really taken a stand on the truth of the word of God. Hey, here's a lighthearted example. Here's a lighthearted example. Because people will oppose what you stand for. Don't miss that. I want you to go today and I want you to get on your Facebook page or your Instagram or Twitter, whatever you have. Because, listen, when you take a stand for something, you're going to be met with opposition. It's going to happen. So I want you to go on your Facebook page. I want you to write these words. Walmart is better than Meyer. Okay? Give it 15 minutes. And people will show up to your page and explain to you why you are wrong. You do it with anything. Take a stand for anything. Opposition will come. Maybe the reason that I don't experience opposition in my Christian faith is because I haven't really taken a stand. On the word of God. I'm reminded to, then we'll go to our second point. Sometimes we hear truth like that, and, and it rains like conviction, which it should for a moment. Let's never forget that our God's a God of grace, too. I think of the guy in Mark chapter 9 who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, can you can you heal my boy? And Jesus says, All things are possible to him who believes. What's the guy say? Mark chapter 9, I think verse 35, Mark Mark 9, 24. The guy says, I believe, but help my unbelief. You see, because there's going to be times where we say, I do. I believe this is the, the word of God. But sometimes we're pressed. Sometimes we're backed in the corner. Sometimes we wonder and we say, Lord, is it really? Because things just don't seem to line up. Lord, I'm not sure how this all reconciles. Hey, what if we prayed in those moments, in Mark, Mark 9 24? Lord, I do believe that. Help my unbelief in this moment. That's when Jesus shows up. Here's our second point. Principle of preparation. When opposition and trouble come, what do we need to do? Second one is this. Be united. Be united. Look at the end of verse 27. Paul says, standing firm in one spirit. There's our our standing firm. But what's he going to say? One spirit, one accord contending together for the faith of the gospel. Paul's next encouragement to us, when opposition, suffering, affliction, all of those things come in your life, what do you need to do to be prepared? He says, you have to be united you take a strong stance on the Word of God, but what else? You do that together in community. Did you know Christianity was never meant to be a solo sport? It's a team effort. Your faith is personal but not private. We live out Jesus together. If anybody tells you I can follow Jesus without a church, they have a very confused theology. That's not true. We need the community of believers as we chase Jesus together, and part of the reason is because when opposition comes our way, we got to link arms and arms with our brothers and sisters. Two words Paul uses, one spirit, one accord. One spirit is actually a reference to our hearts. It means our hearts are linked together. One accord is a reference to our minds. It means that, that the way we think, we think together. We think the same, moving in the same direction towards a common mission. How do we find that? We find that in a local church. Where our hearts are knit together, our minds are knit together, and we are interlinked as the body of Christ, like Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians. We need each other. Because when my heart is linked to yours, that means when I hurt, you hurt with me. When pain comes my way, you hurt with me. I think two weeks ago when I chopped off the front of my thumb, I'm an idiot. I was out here working on some woodworking stuff and zoop, there it goes. Called my wife, I said, I don't know if I have a thumb anymore. She freaked out, it was crazy. But I cleaned up the mess and then went to the ER. But you know how many text messages and phone calls I received in like the next 72 hours? People in our church just going, hey man, you good? How's your thumb? You're an idiot, but we're just curious. (laughs) We love you, we love you. You know what that does for my soul? To walk in these doors of this church today, and I, somebody said it out front, I don't know who said it, but church had started and we could see the music on the live stream out there and somebody's like, hey, church, church has started. But there's just an interconnectedness of the hearts of people in the body of Christ where we just want to, we should want, we should want to just be together. We should just want that where we're one spirit. Here's the second thing. There's our AC. I missed you, man. What's the second thing? Paul says you're not only one spirit, one heart, but you also operate in one accord. It's this idea where we believe this book is true. We believe people need Jesus, and we're going to work together towards that mission with one another. we got a common goal. we got a common outcome. we got a common mission we're going to chase. The best way for me to really think about this, I was thinking about this week, is just like I think of just being arm in arm with somebody. Like we, we've all seen that before. You just link arms with somebody, and it's just this, this sign of unity with those people. Y'all remember in middle school, we played that game, Red Rover, Red Rover? You guys remember that? You'd line up at other ends of the field, and you get your buddies together, and everybody would link arms as tight as you possibly can. We'd say, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Joe on over, because he was the little, little shrimp kid, Pastor Joe. <laughs> And Pastor Joe, man, he just come tanking across that field. And what would you do? Man, you got your people, and you're going to grab together as tight as you can. And when Joe hits that wall, what's he going to do? He's going to fall over. Man, we're going to line the fire out of him. Hey, when Paul tells us, be of the same mind and the same mission, what's he saying? Link those arms together, man. So when opposition comes running at you, when it hits the wall of unity found in your church, it has nothing else to do but fall over. It cannot get through because you're together. I love this church. The world needs to see that in Christians. What did Jesus say? They're going to know you're my disciples by the way that you love one another, by the way your hearts are interlinked and intertwined and woven together for the gospel's sake, the family that God's created. Hey, here's the third thing and we're done. Principle for preparation as opposition comes our way. This is the one we're going to struggle with today. Paul tells us to suffer well. Suffer well. Look at the end of verse 29. Paul says, For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. I want us to hear this today. When we choose to live confidently and boldly in our post, that the word of God is true, that Jesus changes lives, John 14, 6, he's the only way to heaven. Paul says, hey, expect suffering. Suffering. It's a little bit different than opposition. (laughs) Expect suffering in your life. Suffering, this idea of of spiritual warfare, this idea of, of opposition that goes a little bit deeper down into the heart and the root of somebody when they're coming against you and they begin to demean your character and your family and who you are. It gets a little bit deeper for the Christian. Paul says, Expect it. We have done a disservice, I think, in the church been guilty of this too at times, to think that when suffering enters our lives, it's a sign of God's displeasure with me. Do you know that's not true? Suffering in your life does not change in any capacity how God views you or loves you. There's an idea perpetuated in our culture That says if you're not happy, if you're not healthy, and you're not wealthy, God must be mad at you. If you've lost your job, if you've gotten sick, if your family has collapsed, God must be mad at you. So he's letting these things happen. No, that is not biblical. That is not a biblical thing. Notice what Paul says because the opposite is true. I want us to hear this today. Paul uses the word that suffering has been granted. you. Watch this. Didn't know this until this week. The word that they have chosen in Philippians 1.29 to translate granted is the same word other places in the New Testament we translate grace. Think about that. Grace is the undeserved favor of God upon my life. Let's change it. Let's read it again. 1.29. It'll be on the screen. For it has been graced, to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe, but it has been graced to you to suffer for Him. Paul says at the end of verse 28, opposition to your faith, suffering, affliction, spiritual warfare, they're a confirmation of your salvation. Suffering, golly, Paul says when you suffer, that's God extending grace to you. We sit back and you're like, how? How? I don't remember who said it, but they said suffering is a megaphone that God is screaming into a dark world going, I didn't make you for here, so don't live for it. When I'm sick and things are falling apart, what should it do? It should cause me to long for heaven. What did Paul say at the very first verse, verse 27? You're not a citizen of here. I'm a citizen of a better place. So when my body hurts, when I get sick, Whatever that suffering looks like that just cuts a little bit deeper to the heart. It's a reminder for me through the grace of God that heaven awaits me. And this earth is not my home. I am not bound to this planet. I'm not bound here at all. Friends, when we get that truth right, what would the world think to see an unflinching church when suffering comes their way? Right now, outside of the context of Christianity, when suffering comes our way, you see emotional and physical collapse in the lives of people. Happens all the time. But for people in the church to experience suffering and to be unflinching, what a testimony to Jesus that could be. The unshaken Christian that walks through the darkest valley of Psalm 23, totally unshaken by the suffering. Because the world needs to see a Christian that can mourn, a Christian that can feel pain, a Christian that absolutely can grieve over pain and suffering. But at the end of the day, a Christian who can step away from that and go, you know what? This hurts, but heaven awaits me. I'm good. I'm good. Here's our thought as we close today. When you prepare for trouble and you know it's coming, listen, it's much easier to endure. And Paul encourages us that today. The title of the message was Prepare for those firecrackers. Prepare for those times and those seasons where opposition will come your way and it's going to be easier to endure if you've actually prepared for it. And I want to remind us of this truth. No matter what the world throws my way, hear this today, Christian, non-Christian alike, Jesus is worth it. Heaven is better. Jesus is worth it. God in His grace took me. I was once an enemy, as Romans talks about. He extended grace to me, and now He calls me His friend. I was hell-bound, now I'm heaven-bound. I was purposeless, now I'm purposeful. I had no meaning, now I have meaning because of Jesus. He gives life, and He gives purpose. I believe this is true. And if you don't know Him, my goodness, cry out to Him for Him to step into your life today and save your soul from an eternity separated from him. You can have all this world, y'all. Give me Jesus. He's worth it. Let me pray for us. Father, thanks again for this time we've had together. God, I pray that your word would fall on good soil today. Father, the good soil of our hearts. May it change us. May it draw us closer to Jesus. Father, even these next several weeks, Lord, as opposition and pain may come our direction, Lord, we know it will. May we be found to be a faithful church that stands on the truth of your word, that we're we're unified no matter what. And that, Father, when we hurt, we hurt together. Keep our eyes fixated on heaven. We love you, Jesus. your name we pray.